where we talk about weird children's media, dissect it, critically analyze it. I forgot. It's been a while. Yeah, last time we didn't even talk about media, we talked about the flu. That's that's right. That's right. So yeah, we had a little hiatus. Remember when we started doing this and we're like, we're going to do, we're going to do, it's going to be a weekly thing. We'll do one a week. Yeah. And then after like two, we we were like, we can't do one a week. Who were we kidding? And then we're like, yeah. well, we'll do it every couple weeks. And then we're like, we'll do it once a month. We were actually pretty good about every we couple weeks and then, and then until we weren't. It's, you know, we're, we're parents and professional people. Yeah. And uh, it's not it's 8.30 p.m. as we record this. And I, if left alone in a quiet room for 15 seconds, I would be asleep. <laughs> Even if it so. wasn't a quiet room, <laughs> if, it already happened if nobody was poking me, yeah, then I would be asleep. Yeah, Aaron is poking me every every fifteen seconds as we do this podcast, or yeah. else my head would collapse into the yeah. into the microphone. Well, we were watching Odd Squad upstairs. You fell asleep. It's true. Until our kid was like, "Daddy!" Yeah, yeah, I couldn't hang for the twenty minutes of Odd Squad. So we're unbeknownst to the listener, we're testing out the new orientation of Nork Studios here. Yeah. Where Aaron did not like the fact that we were on opposite sides of the table. So what do you think about this? So we're on, now we're on the same side of the table. It's better. I'm it's still better. not a fan of the different levels of chairs. I offered you the tall chair. I said, do you want the tall chair or the short chair? And you said, I will take the short chair. Do you want to switch chairs? No, we, we can't. Switch? We've already configured. No, you come sit here and I'll sit there. I'll take that from you. Next time. All right. So uh, we were inspired to just be careful you don't. Knock that drink on the. I'm not gonna knock it down. On the ground there. There's I, no I feel. In I there. feel like something is going to spill tonight. Yeah, I've got Your this guts. I... <laughs> like the phantom <laughs> drama queen. I just. I. 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 I feel. This is the way I feel when our when our older son when I, I see him eating and he's got a drink on the edge of the table and I'm like that drink's going somewhere anytime. Well, that's it... usually gonna. That's usually gonna happen. Yeah. All right. I'm okay. a grown up. We'll see. I'm, I'm 36 we'll, years old. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that drink by the end of the night. I'm 36 um, damn years old. Yeah. I'm a grown-ass man. That's I'm a grown-ass I'm woman. A grown, Google, Google, I'm a grown-ass man. Yeah, if you yeah. haven't. Um, so uh, we were inspired to come back because on our recent vacation, Aaron was playing... Um, uh, got, I pulled out my easy piano songbook which, which, of Phantom of the Opera, Phantom of the Opera and so, that, I, that I learned piano on as a youth. Oh, that's right. You were playing piano. Yeah. That's where, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, but then after that, you were playing it in the car. You were playing. Uh, well, first I was playing it on the piano, and then I was like, I can't play this very well. Let's just listen to it the way that it should be. <laughs> right. And then we were listening to it in the car. Well, you also didn't have a synthesizer on hand. No, I so. didn't. So it's not, I can't play it properly. Anyway, so I was telling our older son about Phantom of the Opera. He got pretty excited about it because there's a bad guy who hides in the dungeon wearing a mask and kidnapping people. Yeah. And I realized, oh, yeah, I was into this as a kid as well. So this is another one of our entries that is not really a kid's 
media, but it kind of is kids media. It was, it was, it was, it was kids media for me. It was kids media for me. Yeah. Uh, and it's, now it's going to be kids media for our kids. So anyway, what, who fucking cares? We're talking about family opera because yeah. we want to. Yeah. Um, so what Raise was. Raise your hand if your family had the highlights of the family of the opera CD. Right. Yeah, everybody just rose their hand. Yeah. Everybody had that thing. Yeah. So anyway, tell what was your uh, history with? Uh, by the way, Andrew Lloyd Webber version of Family Opera specifically is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Aaron wanted to bring the book out, but that's uh, no. I, I, I wanted to bring this specific book out because uh, it's it's not exactly the same as everybody having the highlights of the the Phantom sure. CD. But many, many people had this specific book with these specific illustrations. Yeah. Well, we we get it. let's 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 put a pin in that because we'll get back to the differences between the book and the musical right. property. Well, well I I um, was obsessed with the book because I was obsessed with the musical. So. so what came first for you, the book or the musical? Oh, I'm sure it was the musical. Yeah, I, I think that was also the case for me. Although I th- I I believe what happened was I became familiar with the musical and then immediately got the book. Right. They were very, they were almost simultaneous, I'm pretty sure. And so... Costco uh, was selling them at the same time. Yeah, so. that's, that's right. You had to buy one, get one free. Basically. So uh, so we have we have seen this live on a, on a couple of occasions, and we're going uh, in a couple months uh, to take our older son to watch it. Yeah, new new world tour. So, um, so Getting what? everybody ready for uh, Love Never Dies. Yeah. Bad, 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 bad sequel. Oh, right. So, the, yeah, I didn't know this, but there we can get into that. There's a sequel to this that, yeah. that uh, we'll Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, wrote. Um, so let's let's get into it, uh, shall we? Sure. I'm just gonna start. I'm just gonna put it out there on the table. All right. That uh, I am a big fan of this property. You're a fan. I'm a phantom. Ha ha. <laughs> Phantom fan. You're just a um, fan. It's P H A. Even even though uh, looking at it again now as a 42 year old in the age of me too, it's not great. Oh, it's it, problematic. It's, it's probably as they say problematic which i i really don't like that term but but it anyway it pe- is people would call it problematic um you just did it i'm going to yeah and it's not well written from a plot standpoint and we, we'll get into that as we go along but there are huge there are huge problems from a storytelling standpoint with this i i but, don't but i also don't think it's awl's fault i think it's gaston larue's fault I, why do you say that the, I mean, the book hangs together pretty well from a plot standpoint. I mean, a lot of the problems in the musical are not problems that the book has. It's problems that the musical has because mm-hmm. uh, because it tries to do too much without bothering to explain ninety percent of what it's doing. Because yeah, it doesn't I mean, because it doesn't need to because it is an experience that is primarily visual and auditory and emotional and you know this the nitpicky parts are where it kind of falls apart. Sure. Kind of like when we watch Star Wars and we're like, yeah, Star Wars is still great, except that it kind of sucks at the same time. Like, oh, no. like if you just look at it from a from a storytelling, uh, plotting standpoint, it's garbage. But Sidebar, in, my, in one of my parenting uh, Facebook groups, we had a thread today that was uh, state of unpopular opinion. And one of the unpopular opinions was Star Wars sucks. Yeah. And everyone was actually like, yep, true. <laughs> Well, Star Wars doesn't suck. What? Yeah, it does. No, that's a hot take. No, it's not. I hate it when people say that kind of crap. When they're like, I've got something that'll stir up some rabble. Star Wars sucks. I mean, I'm saying that if 
it's not it, good. It, it doesn't the from a technical storytelling standpoint, it sucks. But that doesn't mean the movie sucks. It is still fun to watch. It is still enjoyable. It's still iconic. It still is fun movie. I have some cringiness. It's about just it. not a good story. I mean, it is a good story. It's just not well told. No, I don't, know. I don't know how to put that. But to say that Star Wars sucks, is I think it kind of sucks. Crazy. That's crazy. I think it kind of sucks. I, I, that... I think there's major elements of it that suck. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Let's move. Didn't we Moving cover on. this in a last podcast? I, think, I feel like we did talk about Star Wars. I don't we know. We definitely did. And we talked about how bad it is. I don't remember. Um, Your fanboy is showing. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even a Star Wars fanboy. I'm yeah. just, I just think that it deserves more credit than it gets for... Found, founding all of popular culture for, for, that we yes, exist today. Yes, yes. Correct. Yeah, sure. You know, as being foundational. Um, what's the name of the... Of the uh, Zeitgeist? The, the, no, no, the stone in the arch that holds everything up. Lodestone? Lo- that's, that's not what it's called, is it? No. <laughs> anyway. It's the Keystone. Keystone. Yeah. Something like that. We open in 1911. The Opera House is closed and they're auctioning off all of their property. Yeah. Old props, whatnot. It, here, I think, is... One of the first problems that becomes obvious in this is that Andrew Lloyd Webber felt no need to adhere to standard pacing requirements of storytelling. Um, he lingers on things that are of no importance and well, also, blows past things that are of importance. Also, so, if you're going to ha- be looking at someone looking back... Who gives a shit about Raul? Yeah. No one. The an, answer is no one. It's an interesting choice that... Uh, well, for people, it's, it is possible people listening to this are not familiar with Phantom of the Opera. So, uh, so yeah, with the program, a, people. A, a, the Paris Opera House is closing. They're auctioning off all their shit, uh, props and whatnot, and uh, corpses and stuff that have been found <laughs> on the walls. <laughs> and instruments of Actually, death. Actually, that's true. They're auctioning off <laughs> they, an instrument they, of death in this, uh, this January. Well, they auction so, off the, the three skulls so the, so that they used in the opera. Right. So yeah. so in attendance is Raoul de Chagny, the, the uh, what, what is like local he's, nobility. He's the Comte de Chagny. The, the Comte de Chagny. Which um, I don't understand exactly how that works because didn't France abolish all their royalty? The, this was uh, after Napoleon. Maybe maybe it's just a, you know, there are still, you know, the Duke of Windsor. There are still royal titles, which would indicate... Yeah, but this is France. ...moneyed... We'll put it on the parking lot. Yeah. Well, I know it's France, but it's still, I'm just saying that even in post-monarchy governments, there are still hereditary titles that are used. So, anyway. So, Raoul is in attendance. He is a... Old man in a He's wheelchair. an old man, so he shouldn't be an old man. He should only be, like, 50... At this point. That, 50 that's or, old. 50 or 60. That's really old. You know what else is really old? 50's not old. That's 42 is right old. Right around the shut up. Um, <laughs> so they're auctioning. salty they're, tonight. <laughs> okay. They're auctioning off. And this is where, like, they, they can auction off one thing before the plot gets going. They auction off a couple things. And it's like, Jesus Christ, I don't remember this starting so slow. Um, yeah, they don't need to auction off the three skulls. Right. They can just auction off the monkey and then the chandelier. So they auction, so then they auction off this music box, which is a monkey clapping some cymbals together. And Raul sees this and is really taken by it. And he's like, oh, it's just like, 
It's just like she said it was. Yeah. Except he sings it. Oh, it's just like she said it was. Wait a minute. Should this have been a sung through podcast? Maybe. So here's the... uh, (laughs) This is my problem with sung through musicals. Yeah. Meaning that almost all of the lines are sung. There's yeah. no di- There's no yeah. spoken word dialogue. There, there is in this, but there's not a lot. The problem with that, not everything is part of a song. There is, There does just have to be dialogue. And so when you are, quote unquote, singing this dialogue, you're doing it just to do it. Yeah. Like I just did. Like I just did. Yeah. I am singing this for no other reason than I am supposed to be singing all of it. It's like, fuck you. Just say it. It, that gets really old really fast, especially when there's like a lot of dialogue and they're s- kind of singing it to one another, but there's yeah. no tune to it. Yeah. Whatever. Just give it up. Why can't you, why? I mean, I why? Think, what is the, why, why do that? I think one, of the, one of the challenges that I have with musicals is that they hit on some like really incredible motifs. The f- Phantom note descending, the all I ask of you, all the, all these things. And the more and and there's only so much melody that you can come up with yeah. in a musical, so it just gets like repeated. There are a lot of repeated motifs, um, uh, for which, sure. Which is, but that's fine. I think that's also you're right. That does get old a little bit, but you have to do that a little bit to have the recurring. Oh yeah, themes. no, no. I'm, I'm just so, it, 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 I'm saying that sung through musicals have more of a tendency to overuse those yeah we get a little bit sick of them by the end because there's there's just not enough uh melody because everybody has to sing everything right so you just keep kind of going back to the same wells over and over and over again and you're like can you write another song i think you can you've written like forty thousand musicals right so, uh, anyway, there's this monkey box that Raul uh, auctions on and purchases and is really excited about it, despite the fact it has almost no role in the musical at all. So, you know, at the beginning, you think to yourself, oh, it's foreshadowing. This thing, this thing is really going to, you know, be a very significant item later on. Not really. It's just amongst his possessions. Like, he... Well, there's one other time it plays a little bit. You're like, oh, there it is. Yeah, but it plays Masquerade. And then it plays one other time at the end for a moment. But it's not like a... But Why would she choose this item to, like, tell Raul about and, like, focus on when it is barely seen again in this musical? So here's problem, I think, number one. If you're going to have Chekhov's monkey like this... Yeah. Have it play a role later on. It barely does at all. It barely does. It doesn't... It's not clearly of much significance to him. Other than the very last scene, which we'll get to, but but yeah. it, it's not it's an unearned sort of importance given to it right off the bat. My my second problem is that this scene starts in 1911. Yeah, which is 30, 30 years. Yes, thirty years after There's the no, meet of the yeah musical. How do they travel back in time without a DeLorean? Oh my god. <laughs> No comment. No comment. Check. Trying For those to of you who are playing this, though, the uh, Nork podcast drinking game. <laughs> yeah, take uh, a drink. Yeah. Just made it back to the future reference. But, yeah, trying to explain this to, to our five-year-old son. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, now we're going back in time. But we're not going back in time. We're just right. showing what happened before this right. point. And he's right. like, whatever. I don't understand. So, anyway. He's not, he's not good with a nonlinear story. I'm yeah, telling you. Yes. So, anyway, the next thing they auction on is the chandelier. 
which uh, the auctioneer so proclaims as this re- repair. What is what's 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 the? My some, iPad's going off. Oh, it's lot six sixty six. Lot six sixty six is the the chandelier that um that will now this actually does play a prominent role later. And so the musical proper begins when this thing lights up and is, ascends to the ceiling. And uh, we go back in time to 1881, where they are rehearsing um, a performance of Hannibal, which I do not believe is an actual no. musical. This is something that Andrew Lloyd Webber invented. So also hard to explain to a five-year-old. Oh, this is a musical. This is this is an opera that they are rehearsing inside of this actual musical that we are watching yeah oh that audience that's an audience inside of our audience that comprises uh, I confused myself trying to explain this so well so so we were watching um, the the 25th anniversary performance at the Royal Albert Hall where the audience is both the audience of the musical and of the musical inside the musical. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, they have cameras on the audience, and they then take that feed and project it onto the back wall of the stage yeah, it's, to show another audience that is the fictional audience. Yeah, it's real trippy. It's weird. It's confusing. Um, I mean, it's... To a five-year-old, it's confusing. Yeah. To me, a little bit confusing. If I had, like, a couple drinks in me, I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> What's... What's going on? Okay, now I want to watch this with you. So some <laughs> well, you THC know, I, you know I don't drink, so, I, so. Well, that's why I didn't say that. Um, I said THC. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't have an interesting line. So they're they're rehearsing Hannibal, um, and this goes on for a long time. So really long. It's quite a long time for this this opera inside of the musical that has it's a rehearsal zero a rehearsal right not even a performance but a rehearsal of an of a fictional opera that has no bearing on the plot of this no further significance whatsoever and it goes on for like 10 minutes yeah which is fine i mean it's a it's a song and dance routine so it's a it's a cue cue up for um think of me yeah so the lead, uh, the prima donna, the lead, the prima donna soprano is uh, what's her Carlotta. name? Carlotta. Carlotta. So their their rehearsal um, concludes. The owner of the opera introduces the two gentlemen who are in every production of this are always depicted as Greasy and Weasley. Would you? Yeah. Would you say? And he is uh, Andre and Furman. Andre and Furman, who are buying the opera house at this point. They, they, the two owners oh, yeah. who are huge fans of Carlotta ask for a private. They just ask her to sing the uh, aria from the third concert, act. and the she starts singing it, and the Phantom does not like her all that much, so he causes one of the scrims in the back to fall down. Yeah, so there's a big... like on like in the movie, it's on her. In this, it's like it's just sort of in the background, right? Like something falls down in the background, right? And Carlotta, um, Carlotta gets mad because it's kind of. Shit's been happening all the time. Yeah, but well, she's haunted. She is. He is haunted by a I ghost. Guess she's a. I guess technically the Phantom's a poltergeist. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So for three years, she says that she's been haunted, which I have to yeah. add it to her. That's a lot of fortitude to be putting up with this shit for three years, which yeah. makes me wonder why is she still there? Like, if she's some famous soprano. Well, she's not that good. Is she not that good? So you said that previously, but I was under the impression she's supposed. She is supposed to be good. She's supposed to be fine, yeah. I think. I mean, I think we're supposed to take the Phantom's assessment of her abilities as uh, accurate. 
she shouldn't get the the billing that she gets because this is also confirmed by Madame Giry. But the pro- but the, is the issue like, here director. is that apart from the uh, the mini driver version of her, yeah. every other depiction of her shows her singing perfectly well. Like she, they don't she, have her be she's shitty. Overwrought. Yeah, I think. I think Phantom is going for more of a natural performance. Which is funny coming from him. Anyway, he haunts her in front of everybody, and she freaks out. She says, if this thing happens, I am not happening. This thing. She points at her at her chest and says, this thing isn't going to happen. Yeah. If this keeps happening, this thing isn't going to happen. Yeah. And she storms off. Yeah. And then one of the, her, one of the ballet girls. She's got a sidekick. Huh? Pianji, don't forget Pianji. Oh, yeah. well, he doesn't matter. There's a, there's he a dies later. There, there's then there's another dude. <laughs> so who is he? The tenor or something? Pianji would be very upset. The, he he doesn't figure into the story though. He dies later. That's uh, spoiler alert. So one of the uh, ballet girls says, "It's Meg Jury." Can say Meg says Giri says well, Cri- Christine can. So they're like, "Oh, we have to cancel the performance because yeah. Carlotta stormed off." And someone and they say there is no understudy. Like, Who's the understudy? There is no understudy. It's a new production. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're putting on the show tomorrow. Right. There, there has to be an understudy if you're doing a performance tomorrow. Do they? What do they wait till their till their half a season in to get an understudy? That didn't make that doesn't makes no sense. So anyway, there's no understudy because they're ill ill prepared. But no one, one could possibly take the place of Carlotta. That's right. Yeah. So, but one of the uh, ballet girls, uh, Christine, is pushed forward as being a possible replacement. And so, so she performs the song excellently. This is the part where I always think to myself, what if in a live performance yeah. of this musical, where, they, where Christine is supposed to really just knock the socks off, after, off of everybody, what if the, the person playing Christine bombs the performance? Yeah. Like in real life, they yeah. just bomb it. But they have to keep going as though it was amazing. And right. everyone has to be like, oh my God, that oh, was amazing. It's like a Even studio, if had... studio sixty on the Sunset Strip. Oh God, that was such a, like I liked that show, but that aspect of that show yeah. sucked. Yeah. So that was about an SNL type show. Right. It was like the back scenes of yeah. this SNL show. Yeah. Aaron um, Sorkin can write. He can't write that. Yeah. So all. so whenever they'd have like a funny quote unquote oh, funny no. skit, yeah, and it wasn't funny at. All, it was never good. It was but, never. But everybody good. had to be like, "Oh, that was great. That was so funny." Because it was like what it was like Saturday Night Live. It was funny. like a leading improv show on yeah. TV. Right. Yeah. But it was never funny. Never. This is a hard thing in fiction when you are uh, when your fictional person is a poet right. or a, you know or, or something or an artist. Yeah. Where you are going to see some of their art, or you're going to hear some of their poetry. Yeah. You got to be hand waving. And, and it. either it has to actually be great, right? Or you don't actually ever show it. Right. You know, like you could do Studio Fifty and not actually ever show the skits, the, which is what they should have done. Yeah. Um, because it sucked anyway. Uh, or or if you're going to do that, then hire funny people to do your skits for you. Like, well, it, Aaron Sorkin doesn't have that sort of delegation ability. Yeah. I think it would be great if the if one night the actress playing Christine, yeah. like eats shit on this like like in a really bad way like yeah. she falls down or her voice really cracks or something yeah and, and <laughs> I mean that that sort of makes it more interesting because then the Phantom is like 
He's like dedicating himself to someone who is like his his lessons don't work. That, that may be that would actually make it more interesting if if, if Christine was not good, right? And Carlotta was good, right? Because, <laughs> the, because yeah, because because the opera ghost, the Phantom, like writes these notes. Like he gives notes about the performances to yeah. the to the owners, and they're basically like, yeah, okay. I mean, they're they're like see them as legitimate. You're supposed to see them as yeah correct notes, correct well, evaluation. Well, he is a musical genius, right? So, and he wants the opera to succeed, right? And, and so, yeah, he sees it as his opera, right? And so, yeah, I think you are supposed to believe that he is helping to run it in in a sense, right? Anyway, which so is why it's more interesting when he's just like completely when he's wrong. delusional, and the owners like actually have a choice. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that would be a better way to do it. But then that would that would imply that the uh, well, in the in the the critique that we watched of this last night, the author of that was basically saying like this is a thinly veiled allegory for Andrew fucking Lloyd Webber himself. Right. Which was interesting. Yeah, and I hadn't thought of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who I guess you know, Android Weber, not a, not a handsome man. You know, apparently, I, I don't know anything about him, but she made it sound like he was sort of an outcast guy growing up or whatever, and this was his, you know, living out his fantasy of coming to prominence and fame despite whatever. With Sarah Brightman. Yeah. Who was the original Christine? Right. Anyway, so Christine gets the role. She uh, does a performance, and in the audience is Raúl. Oh man! Who recognizes her? Recognizes her from childhood. Yeah, they were uh, they were childhood friends. Yeah, they so were like they Muppet were childhood friends. Yeah, but it's kind of funny because you know it just it would seem that they were kids, and it was sort of this platonic friendship. But he sees her, and he's like. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah. Oh yeah! And he like immediately he's like, "I'm gonna bone you!" Like from from square yeah, he's one, he's from gross. from from sucks. step one, he is he goes from oh yeah, we were we used to play in the play dress up in the attic together. Yeah. To the next sentence being like, yeah, "I'm gonna have you." <laughs> it's kind of weird. No, he's gross. <laughs> he's gross. So. He goes and sees her backstage. He he abuses the power of his position to because he's the patron to, of the theater to enter into her dressing room. Yeah, and uh, she's like, "Oh yeah, you right? Cool, good and, to see and, you." And he insists that, that she's going to go to dinner um, with like, him. No, I don't even, want to. even though she doesn't want to, and and she's saying no to him as he and he's like, "Whatever," and he leaves the room. He's like, "No, no, no. I'll see you in fifteen minutes. I gotta I, get my hat. I have to go get my hat." Yeah. <laughs> and because okay. I'm a I'm a gentleman in 19th century France, I have to go get my hat. Yeah. Uh, you Christine's you like, be no, ready, be ready when I come back. Yeah. Well, so while he's gone, the Phantom appears. So tell I didn't really I guess um, internalize this previously, but you were mentioning how he is kind of gaslighting her with this whole angel of music thing. Yeah, I was I was trying to look at it in the book, and I I still haven't quite figured it out, but. When Christine was was young, um, her father was a violin teacher, and that's how they would like the dad and Christine and Raúl would all hang out. They'd like he'd play violin and they would do music together. And then when her when Daddy Daya was dying, he said basically, "I'll send you the angel of music from heaven." And then who shows up? Yeah. Angel of Music. Well, I wasn't, what isn't clear to me is if she is if he is like, oh yeah, that's me. That Angel of Music you're always talking about. 
it's me. Yeah. Or if she's just assuming that that's what's going on here. Well, she's always, she is described the character as being kind of naive. Yeah. But I feel like there's something in, in the book anyway. Yeah. Where he was like stalking her even from that age. Yeah. And, well, it's another. And he knew about this. It's another aspect of the musical that's just left completely ambiguous, which is fine. I mean, you don't need to get into it too much, but it, but it is sort of unexplained. So anyway, she's never seen him. She just hears his voice from the walls. Right. Which let me tell you something: if there was someone living in our walls, yeah, and they would talk to me, yeah, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, it's an angel." I'd be well, like, "There's a fucking guy in the wall." <laughs> sure but you don't believe in angels and she's very religious even if you believed in angels you wouldn't be if you heard a voice coming out of your drywall you wouldn't be like oh it's an angel sent from god you'd be like get a contractor here to knock down this goddamn wall see what's going on in there i don't know (laughs) we have like 140 years of knowledge that she doesn't have i guess so i mean it's true you you we have a lot more experience with wall people than we did back then yeah Yeah, no that's true (laughs) this modern day and age with all kinds of shit in the walls she's never seen the phantom of the opera she's never seen him because she's Um, in it she is it right right yeah, so. she doesn't have the source material to look back on right. and to realize. Be like, about oh, right, zombies. They're called zombies. Creepy people living in the walls. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Anyway, I'm sure it, I'm oh, sure so, it was hilarious. So he does choose that moment. He chooses that very moment to be like, oh, hey, check, 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 check out the mirror. Right. And somehow he appears behind the mirror. I guess it's yeah. a one way mirror, which means he's been creeping on her through the one way wa- mirror. He's watching her dress and undress the whole time. Oh, he's a, he's a, he's he a, sucks so much. Perf. These days, he would be the guy who gets arrested for planting the webcam in the toilet. Oh, very true. In, in the, or in the hotel where he's the hotel manager and every yeah. room has been wired up and yeah. he's got like a control center in the basement where yeah. he's got a monitor for every room. That's the Phantom of the Opera. That's or, what's going on. Or in 1955, he would climb up trees and oh use God. binoculars to look at women just like George McFly. Yeah. Take a drink, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, so he appears in the mirror somehow. This is another one of oh, these. Oh, and the mirror's a door. The, and the mirror suddenly becomes a door. And he's like, come to my basement with me. Yeah, coming down into my dungeon. Yeah. So it's that's not my mom's basement, but it's mine. It's yeah. online. Yeah. I don't have to share this with anybody. There's a lake. Yeah. And a horse. Yeah, that's no, super cool. Yeah. It's a super cool pad. It's kind of a swinging bachelor's pad, but I'll let you come check it out. Yeah. It's uh, uh, the, the staging in the Royal Albert Hall of this part was like, why is this so long? It takes a long time for them to reset. This is supposed to happen very snappy. And in other productions, it happens very quickly. Yeah, it took them fucking forever to change the to change. Yeah, the, they have this like scene scaffolding that they're like walking down on. That's supposed to be like him leading her down through the shallows, right? And it is where they sing like they they start the big Phantom of the Opera number. Yeah. But they were, like, walking back and forth on this thing for what it seemed like an eternity. Yeah, I was yeah. like, am I watching the Flying Dutchman again? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, this is the, uh, I guess it's, I, I was going to say the first iconic song. Although Think of Me is kind of an iconic song a yeah. little bit. But this is the this, this is, is the, the Phantom of the Opera song. Which, 
you know, I love this song. The song is stuck in your head in a big, bad way. Oh, sure, yeah. But this is where the synthesizers really kick in. I love the synthesizers. And I can't stand synthesizers yeah, anymore. I know. And there's also an electronic drum part. No, 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 it's snare not. drum. It's a, it's a really hard, like a guitar riff, too. No, there's that. Yeah, there's that. But then there's also... Um, uh, Do you just not like electronic instruments, period? I don't. I don't. I don't like artificial synthy music. And so as much as I like it, I just wish it'd be re-recorded with just a fucking piano. What's wrong? Every song that ever had a synthesizer in it, why can't you just replace that with a piano, for God's sakes? I mean, what was wrong with that? That I don't know. Or a harpsichord. Or a harpsichord or an organ or some goddamn actual musical or, instrument or, um, that doesn't make me think I'm listening to Bruce Springsteen. A digital and... piano that plays dog barks. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't Bob Belcher just yeah. record this? Well, excuse me. Not Bob Belcher. Gene Belcher. Oh, Gene Belcher. Right. Why can't Gene Belcher? Bob Belcher has burger talent, not right. music talent. That's true. So, so this is interesting, though, because when Christine is singing... Yeah. She she seems to immediately recognize, oh, Wait this is the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Because she it starts singing. It was the Angel of Music. That that immediately goes Snap. away. Snap. Yeah. Oh, wait. Like, no, just boom. JK. Like, oh, as soon as she sees him, she's like, oh, fuck, it's the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's been hiding my walls, spying on me the not, entire time. Not an angel. Yeah. Wah, wah, <laughs> she wah, figures wah. it out really quick. Which is kind of cool. I mean, at least she didn't like continue the that would be really naive if after this masked weirdo appears and takes her down to his underground lake dungeon if she was still like it's an angel yeah it's a weird deformed underground angel no she's like oh fuck (laughs) immediately well she's she's like instead of her literal angel of music now he's a metaphorical yeah yes i I also want to point out as i've said to you when we're watching this how many times the word strange is used in this brandon is fixing (laughs) which twice to his face, she calls him strange. Well, <laughs> to be fair, he is. She calls him a secret and strange angel. Yeah. <laughs> Which he is. It, it's sort of on the nose, and it's a little rude, too. Although, thinking about it, I don't know. I guess if someone... What other word are you going to use? Uh, he, yeah, I don't know. It's I just, just enjoyed watching you watch this, because every time... <laughs> Strange came on your eyebrows, just got higher and higher on your face. He needs he needed a thesaurus. I mean, this I I stopped paying attention for the, in the second half. I, I so I don't know if strange, strange if the word strange appeared more beyond that. But four times, strange the word yeah. the adjective strange is used in, in, in to to describe him. I think weird would be an anachronism. Weird, yeah. I mean, I guess strange is where it's at. Um, so what happens here? He's they he sings about how sad, lonely, and weird he is, and strange he is. Music of the and night, then, and also then, a classic. And then, well, she, but that's after she, she falls asleep. Oh, right, right. No, she out of nowhere she so, falls asleep. Are, are we to believe that she? I think just there got, was something missing from from the production that we saw because I think that he's got a wedding dress down there for her that was not included in the royal Albert that's correct. Hall. Yes, they didn't have that. So right. she's just sort of like. Faints. Okay. Being overwhelmed by singing or being in his presence. Well, because or women fainted a lot back then. That was a fa- really fainty time to be a woman. Well, there was a lot of syncope going on. It's not a lot. You'd get the vapors. No, 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 no. It's not syncope. You'd it's... get hysteria and no, vapors. No, yeah. the only way that you could express 
oh my god, I can't even. <laughs> yeah. And then you faint and you get out of having to deal with some bullshit that you have to deal and it no, was an accepted ex- excuse. This is true. There, there's a lot of research on this. this that that be that um the historical the so-called functional syndromes yeah. have changed meaning that a, a physical manifestation with no discernible cause shift about every few generations yeah. to match what at that time is socially acceptable or in vogue and fainting was for a long time and so right. that was a way people manifest their psychological trauma right and then that morphed you know in more modern times to various chronic pain syndromes and chronic right. fatigue syndrome and, and more jillins and, 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 and more jillins yeah <laughs> yeah uh so interesting anyway uh so she sleeps or faints depending on what production you're watching and then he you know, does his he, he's, his, he's, he covers her with his cape. Yeah, that's very sweet. He's a gentleman. Is he's he? A, he's a gentle a monster. G- gentlemanly. He's a gentle ghost. After he kidnaps her to her dungeon and makes her faint, he covers her up with her cloak, so with his cloak, like a gentleman does. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. Uh, then, then he does his uh, music of the night, big, big solo number. This does not keep well. It is. I didn't read it as creepy. I didn't read most of this as creepy watching this as a young as a, as a kid. Right. It incredibly creepy and gross. What the whole thing or this part specifically? The whole thing and this part specifically. What what is specifically about this part? I, are you referring to? I don't to? remember, but I remember that watching he... the music of the <laughs> no 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 specifically. There was like some lyric in the music yeah. of the night where I was like, ooh. Yeah. Well, he's feeling sorry for himself. He's he's wallowing in self pity at this point. He doesn't know have any other emotions besides wallowing and anger. That's true. So she wakes. So he he he's composing his music, which which sucks. I mean, I you're I think you're supposed to take from it that he is a eccentric musical genius who is way ahead of his time. Yeah, and nobody's gonna get his yeah. music. <laughs> yeah, it's like Marty McFly plays the guitar solo um, in. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, they clearly ripped this off from Back <laughs> to the Future. There's a lot they ripped off from Back to the Future. <laughs> That was organic. I mean, the 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 Back to the Future guy should sue Andrew Lloyd Webber for everything they lifted from uh, from that movie. Um, that was a good reference, though. <laughs> sure, <laughs> Aaron's flipping me off. Oh. oh, his music. So it's it it he he's, you're supposed to believe that he is um, uh, oh. modern. His music. He's got I figured like, it out. modern musical sensibilities. What he, he in in this. There were some different lyrics in that song that I'm not familiar with from the highlights to CD or yeah. my easy song songbook. Yeah. But it was about like, I brought you here to serve me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to serve me. Gonna I'm going to be your me. master. I'm going to I'm going to yeah. write this music and you're going to exist to sing for me in my basement. Right. And so he just goes to doing that. And she's and he's always like, yeah, you sleep. There might be some like serious medical problem with you. Yeah, that's OK. I'm gonna play my piano. Yeah, and then when you wake up, you can serve me. So then, then she wakes up. She's like, "What the fuck just happened?" Yeah, she Where does. Am I? Yeah, because she does have this. She sings through. She's like, "I remember." There's a lake. A underground lake, and then she basically recounts everything that we just saw. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I all mean, right, I get it. And then she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna see what's under this mask." Yeah. So the Phantom is sitting there composing, and she sneaks up on him and takes his mask off. Oops. And he freaks out. Here, this might be a good time to talk about the difference, the way that um, this role has been approached by 
Michael Crawford, who's the original guy who popularized this role. Yeah. And then, what's the name of the guy who did it in the... Uh, he's Iranian. Kar- Kar- uh, R- Ramin Karimlo? Yeah. Something like that. This guy. The guy in the Royal Albert Hall version of it. We have to, we have to get it right. Who, it's um, Ramin Karimlo, I think. You can look it up while I... Was. So, so he approaches the role with a lot of energy. So Michael Crawford has sort of a somewhat restrained, regal kind of presence. This guy's phantom is an unhinged, hysterical lunatic who is screaming a lot. He's he's a lot hotter than he was in the concert. <laughs> Which I mean, I mean well, he was. Done. Yeah, imagine that. that yeah. <laughs> caked in phantom makeup, he's not as hot as he is in real life. Yeah. Well, that's with his bow tie. Ramin Kar- Karimlu. Ramin, uh, I think. Ramin. Yeah, Ramin Karimlu. No, not, not the first picture with the bow tie. The one with all the sure. tats. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these tats were, in fact, visible under his sleeves. I noticed that a oh, couple really? times. Yeah. Yeah. Notice You'd notice these wrist tattoos in some of the scenes. I was like, I don't know if the Phantom was supposed to be all tatted up like this, but... It's fine. Um, but yeah, so he 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 is his his phantom is a very caffeinated phantom. Yeah. He was bouncing off the wall. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to have a drama queen reaction like the phantom when I spilled this. Aaron empty just cup. Aaron spilled her drink <laughs> on purpose. Yeah, to provoke a reaction, which is what the phantom would do. It's very purposeful you, and strategic. You, you had to know that that's not. I'm not going to do that though. Uh, no, I don't know that. Because you were saying earlier about how you were certain something was going to spill in here. But tonight. you know, when if that were to happen, my reaction would just be one of resigned sorrow. <laughs> I guess you're no phantom. Because it's like if our son like spills an entire bottle of milk, what's my reaction? Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I guess. You gotta be fucking. I was hoping for more from you. <laughs> that's, that's my reaction these days to yeah. things that go bad. It's just like, oh, here we go. Here's another thing. Yeah. Here's another thing. So he loses his shit because she sees his weird, ugly face. Yeah. Another interesting thing is in different productions how weird they make him look. In the 2004 movie with Gerard Butler. That's just his face. <laughs> he, it's Gerard Butler with like a... Like a like a weird spot on his face. The he, man, he looks like a, he looks like he had kind of like a a cleft palate. Yeah, and that was repaired. It, it his phantom looks like somebody who was in a small car wreck and had a really good plastic surgery repair, where yeah. you could tell something had happened, but it's not too bad. Yeah, and it's it's a very it's like one fourth of his face. He's got the smallest mask. The Gerard Butler phantom has this little tiny little mask. Yeah. Or this tiny little, fairly mild, yeah. you know, mild scar tissue. Yeah. And then in that one, em- Emmy Rossum, who plays Christine, is like, this is what you gave up society for? Yeah, it, it, it's not much. Yeah. Um, this, the Phantom in the Royal Albert Hall, it's pretty pretty, pretty good. They've got, like, brain matter coming out of his, uh, it's, like, got a hole Oh, yeah, the and they, they, like, weirded out his lip, too. Yeah. No, he's pretty fucked up looking. Yeah. I think they did a good, good job making yeah. him look... Uh, really fucking. It looked like a death mask. Right in the book, he look. He's They're, supposed he, to look like a skull yeah. with a thin layer of skin stretched over it. Yeah, it's supposed to look absolutely horrible. I, I feel like the that is described in the book like 
every other paragraph. Yeah. They talk about it all the right. time. Oh, absolutely. All the time. Abs- well, it makes so much more sense if he is completely unpresentable. Yeah. Like, even in this one, the Phantom's not great looking, but half of his face is fine. Right. You know, well, he could go out in public and, you know, yeah. bandage up half of his face. In the book, this person cannot right. be in public. Right. You also can't so... sing through a mask. Right. So. Um, so, um, so what happens here? So, so he's like, oh, the fools who th- run my theater will be missing you. Right. Which so, is also the beginning, the very famous beginning of Prima Donna, which has been stuck in Brandon's head for the past week. He really has. Um, Prima so, Donna, yeah, that's the one. lady of the stage, the your devotees so, so, are on their knees to implore you. I'm going to sing the rest of it. Let me turn off your microphone here real quick. What a douche. <laughs> um, so because Christine has now disappeared, the owners of the opera house are trying to get Carlotta to come back. And they are trying to induce her to do this by singing to her that she's a prima donna. Yeah, it's a, which it's I guess, a song of flattery. I, I guess maybe that wasn't always used as a term of disparagement to call someone a prima donna. No, that's I, I mean, where it came from. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they tell her that she's going to get the lead role. The Phantom speaks out from the shadows saying, the fuck you will. If Carlotta gets the lead role, then a disaster beyond your imagination will occur. I was waiting for you to quote this. Which is your favorite line in the whole damn thing. that an asteroid will collide with the Earth. Or a nuclear missile. And break it in half. A nuclear missile, that would be beyond their imagination. I know. Since it didn't exist yet. I know. Uh, or the singularity will occur and a super intelligent AI named Skynet will... <laughs> or they'll get a text. Well, you'll get a text. A yeah. disaster beyond your imagination. You'll get a text. You'll get a smiley face emoji. Yeah. They wouldn't be able to imagine that. It wouldn't be a disaster though either. I don't know. They'll it get, might be. They'll get a text saying... Your test results are back, and they're don't, they're not looking good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, what they have, have to eat, they have to drink Soylent. <laughs> That's a disaster, but uh, on hey, hey, education. Whatever. <laughs> I, so uh, this may be the man I am today. <laughs> You're made of Soylent. I say, with my 2,000 aches and pains. and <laughs> Anyway. They premiere the new... Il, Il Muto. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's not it's not Hannibal. It's a uh, it's. I, I feel like I recognize it's Il this. Muto. Okay. Uh, I'm reading it off the Wikipedia page. Fair enough. Um, so it's got to be true. And then during the performance, the Phantom tears shit up. Well, there's right? there's say the, the Phantom OG Robert Robert Ghost. He says yeah. that Christine has to play the Countess, which is the singing role. Right. And, and the, the little, the mini plot of this is that there's a countess who's in love with a page boy and she, the countess has got this like old husband dude that she doesn't want to be with anymore. And yeah. so she's trying to like concoct some thing where she but can see the playboy. Again, none of this matters though. They go into all this detail about this, this opera inside of the play. Yeah. A fair amount of detail about what the plot of this is. Yeah. Doesn't fucking matter. Matters to the Phantom. <laughs> it, it's not even paralleling anything or like being a metaphor for anything. It, it's nothing. It is nothing. Like they can, they need, they should just skip all of this. 
Plus, I don't find it to be musically very interesting or like a highlight at all. I feel like he just padded this out, which for no reason, because it's pretty long to begin with. Three it's, hours. it's three hours long. You don't need to have half an hour of operas inside of the play that don't fucking matter, that have no relevance to the plot at all. But he did it. He's like, I am my Andrew Lloyd Webber. I'll do whatever the hell I want. He's Andrew fucking Lloyd Webber. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, he, he, he kills a guy. He kills the guy Bouquet. Bouquet, who's in charge of the this, this of the scrim. The scrim. The he's up in the rafters. I like it. he kills him. He he hangs him in front of presumably a full crowd, a full packed audience. Yeah, and they just keep going. They're like, oh, no, they don't. He, yeah, they do. They do because that happens in in the version we watched. That happens, and then Carlotta keeps singing after that. Well, of course she would. <laughs> That makes that's that makes sense. The, the show character. goes on. The show must go on, despite the fact this corpse is now hanging from the ceiling, and then the chandelier falls down. Right? Right. Is that that, that that's she this is, part? She is singing to bring the chandelier down. Right. And the phantom collapses the chandelier down yeah. onto the stage. Does he? Is he? Is anyone supposed to die during this? I don't think so. In in the book, the concierge dies. I think in the musical, no one dies, which yeah. again sort of underscores the point that. He's not a very good murderer. He's not a good... He, well, this wasn't even a disaster. This was an unfortunate event. Yeah. It certainly wasn't a disaster beyond anyone's imagination. Because imagining a chandelier falling down and not hurting anybody is easy to imagine. I can imagine that. I'm doing it right now. Hindsight's it's 20, it's 20. particularly easy for me to imagine because I have, in fact, knocked chandelier off of a ceiling before. Oh, really? Yeah. In the Paris Opera Theater? Pops? No, at a some cheap restaurant in Corvallis oh, where I a... stood up, where the <laughs> low-ceilinged place yeah. with these cheap plastic chandeliers, yeah. and I stood up and smashed my head into one of them, and it came <laughs> off the goddamn ceiling and <laughs> fell on the table in front of me. I just stood did there. You, did you... Oh, no, that's too uh, bad, because that's a perfect opportunity to, to yell, a disaster beyond my imagination <laughs> yeah. has occurred. <laughs> yeah, I should have. I should have screamed that. Yeah. And then I should have grabbed some, some woman in there and just absconded with her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't do that, though. I just stood there and uh, stared at it in, yeah. in disbelief of horror and embarrassment. Next time. Luckily. Next time you'll be prepared. The first, because the thought through my head was, oh, fuck, am I, I, I broke this. But luckily, when the employees came ra- running over to me, um, were worried I was going to sue them or something. Because, yeah. <laughs> which is the opposite of what I was worried about. Anyway, I've brought a chandelier down before with my big, tall, bald head. Yeah. End of act one. Act two begins somewhat confusingly, even to a grown-up, when all that has just happened is completely, re- not retconned per se, but so here we are at the end of Act One. Yeah, the chandelier. The chandelier has collapsed. This is supposed to be a disaster beyond your imagination. Someone has been murdered. Chandeliers are expensive. Chandeliers are expensive. Someone has been murdered. The opera house is not doing your well. your lead uh, soprano has just been terrorized. At the beginning of Act Two, yeah, things are great. The, the opera house is hugely they, successful. They talk about this because everybody is uh, excited about the negative publicity, and they're like, "What's going to happen at the opera house yeah, next?" I'm like, "I might die if I yeah. go see the opera there. Shit's falling from the ceiling. Yeah." People are dying. Chandeliers are falling down. There's Ooh, a ghost. Would you go? Burn. Would you? Could, could I manage to convince you to go 
to if the if the local Alamo Theater yeah if there was a if if in one showing if in one showing of a movie there yeah somebody got hung to death and a chandelier fell from the ceiling could I ever convince you to go there again? Their pizza is really good. <laughs> So that's a yes. You have to know. think twice about it, though. That would not be. I, I know how they're Take like. Out. Oh, any publicity is good publicity. I don't know if that's true when it comes to. There the... was less entertainment back then. <laughs> yeah. They did not have yeah, Netflix. Life was nasty, brutish, and short. I guess they they did not have Netflix to watch. Right. Yeah. They just had chandeliers. They didn't have watch. extreme sports. They had extreme opera. That's right. Go threaten their lives. Yeah. So yeah, things are going great. Um, this open. is the best song. It is the best song. I was going to say that. Yeah. That was what my next thing I was going to say. Because it's objectively the best song. So the opening song, Masquerade, yeah. is a great song. And yeah. it holds up really well. I really, It's a very, compl- it's very complex. Uh, yeah. And there's a lot going on in that. Yep. And he does a great job of, you know, lots of people are singing over one another. But then it all comes into sync for yeah. a little bit. And then it comes out of sync for a little bit. And yeah. then it goes into sync. It's, like, it's, uh, it's, very, it's very nicely done. It's like the song at the end of the first act of West Side Story where you have all the different groups. It's I don't there's a name for that kind of song. I don't yeah, know what it I'm is. I'm sure though. there is. But it's 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 good. Um We're not musical theater nerd enough. Also the Phantom apparently has not been seen or heard from in six months, which brings up the question, what's he been doing this whole I guess he's been finishing his opera. And masturbating. He's been masturbating. <laughs> but we don't so we'll get to that. Because I'm not sure he has been. I don't think he has been masturbating, and I'll explain I why. I think you're wrong about I that. I will explain why. So he shows up in costume. Oh yeah. Oh as yeah. The Red Death. Okay. So here's here's a uh, there 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 is some extreme foreshadowing in this. Yeah. And the song opens with saying with them saying, "What a shame it is the Phantom can't be here." Yeah. I can't remember what the line is exactly. Right. 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 He gonna show up. Yeah. He's there. He's so he show up. He this is a when mistake though. That. This is a mistake for him to show up in person, because to this point, he has been a spooky, disembodied voice who causes things to happen and is ghostly. He's yeah. a ghost. I think he's a ghost. Yeah. Now he shows up in the flesh, very clearly a person. And I don't know. He shows up as the Red Death. Yeah, but he's corporeal. I mean, I think this was an error. To, to take, to manifest physically. He's a musical <laughs> genius. He's not a, a psychological terror strategist. Yeah. Well, this was a fuck up because it, it emboldens them to later go down and go looking him. for him because they're like, yeah. well, fuck this guy. He's not a ghost. He's a weirdo in the basement. Yeah. Uh, so he should not have done this. But he shows up with his completed opera he's been working on, inexplicably named Don Juan Triumphant. Which well, that's because he's Don Juan. <laughs> clearly, he's now triumphant because he's gonna marry Christine. Yeah, or do her. Bad name, bad name for an opera. It's true. Um, I guess it's no worse than the Barber of Seville, which also dumb name for an opera. So he demands that this opera be performed uh, with Christine and leaves. Right? Yeah, disappears. So they're like, all right. Wait, 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 wait. We forgot a major plot point What's there, that? pal. What? Christina and Raul get engaged. Oh, right. Yeah. Secret. Secret, secret engagement. engagement. What if we to hide? doesn't want the Phantom to find out because he'll Secret. Kill, Why he'll is it secret? Her. Yeah. It's it's an engagement, not a crime. And and uh, this is another example of Raul being like, I don't trust your judgment, Christine. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. 
you're a hysterical woman. Yeah. Just let me deal with this. Yeah. Again, um, which wrong. He, he, ha- he has no capacity to deal with this. Which, if if which the we Phantom is a, is a bad psychological terrorist, Raul's worse at whatever he's doing. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, Raul, um, we haven't really talked about Madame Giri, who is the, what is she? She like. She's the, she's the ballet director. Yeah. She does the dance. She's the only one who is, she's like the, she's the point person for the Phantom yeah. in, in communicating with the, with the rest of the opera. So this she, is so another she, mistake. She's got a lot of the of the like knowledge um, that is that the Persian has in the book. Right. The Persian is not a character in the in the um, musical, and maybe he just wanted like another female character. I don't yeah. know. But the Persian is very interesting. Is probably the most interesting character in the book, and yeah. there should have been the Persian in the musical. Yeah, there isn't. There's Madame Jury. Yeah. Who Raul um, is like? What's the deal with the Phantom? Um, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah, want to but... tell you. Oh wait, maybe I do know. Oh, yeah. except for in a very like stern. So so then what she does is she summarizes a hundred pages of the book <laughs> yeah. in in three sentences. Yeah, basically. She's like, "All right, here is your exposition. Listen closely. I'm only going to say this once, very quickly." And she's like, "Oh, a circus was traveling through town." With a freak show. And one of the guys was a super genius in every area of human knowledge. And he escaped. And that's him. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right. That kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> why couldn't we... How about we take out all this bullshit about these fake operas that don't matter at all. And we use that half hour to instead learn a little something about the titular character of this musical. But no, that's not what they did. Well, I think, I mean, I I agree, generally speaking. I think the challenge, I mean, AWL is not going to I like how you've coined this AWL as a... It's ALW. ALW, yeah. But he's not going to get rid of the operas. You have to have some of the operas for some of these songs. You could do, you could do like a touch of it. Fine. But you already have, this show looks expensive yeah it and does. it is expensive yeah. to put on yeah it's made a lot of money so like thank god that audiences responded the way that they were supposed to yeah but like if you added a whole like i mean so so in the book there's this thing about how he built this house of mirror or this like maze of mirrors yeah. for the for the um shah of persia which sounds fucking cool yeah um and they do include that in the movie as like a thing but they have like the budget to do that right whereas that's i just can't imagine the set piece of how you would try to put that on stage i mean they have problems enough with i mean the the end of the book i think is cooler but it can't be done because it's it features drowning right so you can't do you can't you could drown someone for the musical like in like in a prestige box <laughs> <laughs> a body double you get your body double and then you drown them and then uh no one's the wiser. It's Andrew Lloyd Webber. He can do that if he wants to. He can drown somebody. Where were we? Put your hand at the level of your eye. So, yeah. Me, so, so um, I feel like there's stuff let, that happens in between this conversation and him, like, going down. Well, let's skip ahead. Let's skip ahead. But little, it's not important. It's not important. So let, let's skip to the next thing that's important, which is that he, the Phantom, abducts Christine. Yeah. Because he overhears Christine and Raul... Professing love. For yeah, dude, being lovey-dovey. And he's like, oh, fuck you. 
I this is where he goes full incel because he's like, after all I've done for you, I yeah. was nice to you. Yep. And then you're not gonna marry me. You owe me sex. You owe me. Yeah. You owe me this. And so he abducts her and takes her <clears throat> back to the back, lair. Back to the dungeon. This time instead of the uh the they don't take like fifteen minutes to descend down through the set piece. Yeah. But he's just like dragging her yeah. by her hair. Dragging caveman style. Yeah. It's yeah. Ugh. So Raul is gonna go after go after him. This yeah. is the part so before I saw the musical, before I read the book, and I was just listening to the highlights of the musical. Leaves and there, a lot out. And there is the repeated line, keep your hand to the level of your eyes. And I was like, What Why? the hell is that? Yeah. Uh and so that's because the Phantom's preferred method to murder people is to toss a lasso around their heads and choke them. So if you keep your hand up, then he can't do that. You just need um, to get in touch with the force, and then he can force choke him. So Raul, fi- he, he very easily finds them, uh, I think there's a, I think there's actually really only one pathway in. Yeah. It's just like right underneath the opera house. There is, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like in uh, Us, the Jordan Peele movie Us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spoilers for Us, where there is a vast underground network where your clones live that is just behind a door. <clears throat> you yeah. just you just go to a certain train station or whatever, and you open a door to go down some stairs, and there it is. It's right there. Well, also, Raul's kind of a dumbass, so in order for this plot to move forward, it has to yeah. be easy. Right. In in the books, the Persian is there. Yeah. And the Persian's got all the secret knowledge of right. fan, Phantom, <clears throat> so. Well, so Raul is kind of dumb, because he shows up. He's so dumb. And is like, hey, man, I, I really like her. Isn't that, what does it mean anything to you? And then as he's talking to Christine, the fan just comes up behind him and puts a lasso around his head. (laughs) You were warned, You were warned about this. You were warned multiple times. Not only were you warned about it, you turned your back on him. And he just comes up up and puts a lasso around his neck. He should have just sorted you, as our son might say. Right. So then he says, all right, Christine, here's your choice. You either come marry me or I'm going to kill him. Uh, and Again, what a douche! And so they're all, oh, big decision to make here. I like this part where uh, they're singing about this horrible situation. And Raul, one of his lines is, I fought so hard to free you. And I was thinking, no, you didn't. You showed up and immediately got lassoed. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as fighting hard to free her. Yeah. You came in and were defeated <laughs> immediately. Well, no, well, no, this, this... He's also referring to there's this whole plot where Christine's supposed to sing in in the new opera, and because they're gonna they're assuming and correctly that the Phantom's gonna show up to watch it. Yeah. So they're trying to trap the Phantom yeah. to like shoot him. Right. Um. And so that he he fought hard coming up with that plan. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. He thought really hard about it. I can't believe I'm defending I th- Raul. I, I fucking thought, hate that guy. I thought about this plan so hard to free you. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of sleepless nights thinking about this plan that failed horribly. <laughs> anyway. This is the part Christine. where I, I, I just like, <clears throat> here, these are your, Christine, these are your two choices. This incel asshole who's kidnapped and murdered, kidnapped you and murdered people to yeah. like get you to do stuff. Yeah. And then this guy who's just, like, not very smart and sort of simpering and dumb. This, this doofus nobleman. These who, are the two choices? Yeah, yeah. Choose yourself. Yeah. Go back to Sweden. Choose Christine. Choose Christine. <laughs> Choose Christine. Right. 
Live your own best life, girl. Yeah, no, she Go needs- get yourself a chalky cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes! <laughs> she, need- she needs the end of center stage where Jody's like, I don't want to be in the American Ballet Theater anymore. I'm going to be a lead in Jonathan C- or Cooper Nielsen's new... I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't about. care. I... But she chooses what she wants. Okay. She's not limited by these two dipwads. That's right. Yeah, this movie probably, this this musical does not pass the Bechdel test. Is that the name of that thing? Be- Bechdel? Uh, Be- the Bechdel test? Bechdel yeah. Test. I'll have to think about that for a second. Yeah, I'm sure it doesn't. That's where two, the, the test is this. Two women if talk two... to each other with not not about a man. Yes. They have a conversation with one another does not and the conversation is not revolving around a man. I don't that does not happen because I think the only conversation between two women in this is Meg and Christine, and they are talking, talking about, about the phantom. phantom. Or, yeah. I was wondering if um if uh Carlotta's got anything. No. Her no. her conversations are all with men. Oh. Because okay. her and Christine never speak to one, I don't think ever directly speak to one another. She's they don't have a conversation. They certainly don't ever have a conversation. What if it, she says something that causes Carlotta to call her a toad? Is that directly phantom related? That's not a conversation, though. That's just like an, an exchange. If you can't, I don't know why I'm trying to like split hairs here. <laughs> anyway, the Christine says, "All right, phantom, I'll marry you." Yeah, and then he immediately is and, like, and she kisses him, and she kisses him, kisses gross gets a hard face. on, yeah. Or does he? Or does he? All right, so now let's talk about it. Because <laughs> yeah. as he drags her down there, she basically accuses him. She's like, are you going to try to rape me, basically? She's like, I've been prey to your desire for something. What would she say? She's like, Batter, am I... Batter, may fuse and merge. Infection, she, which poisons our love. She says, am I now going to be prey to your to your desire for flesh or Oh, something? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's um, and he says... The same fate that has condemned me to wallow in blood has also denied me the joys of the flesh. Yeah. So, uh, two ways to interpret this. <clears throat> One way skeleton. to interpret this. He's got a skeleton penis. Is that he has a skeleton. No, one way to interpret this is that because he is so hideous looking. Yeah. And has had to hide away that he hasn't been able to be with a woman. The other way to interpret this is that he has no penis. Yeah, I, I think I think he's been denied the joys of the flesh because he has no sexual organs. I as, think a- a- as ALW is going for uh, whatever chromosomal abnormality, whatever karyotype abnormality he has, has also resulted in a penisless phenotype. Is that a thing? He he he's he has ambiguous genitalia. I think is what is what I'm gonna go with here. All right. So big open question mark in Phantom of the Opera. Does big a, does dangling a, dangling thread here? It's not big or dangling. <laughs> I think that's your very point. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's yeah. A, uh, unanswered questions. Does Phantom, OG does, does the Phantom have a penis? Have a micro penis? Yeah. So he has a change of heart out of nowhere. Oh wait, h- hold on. I made this point before. I'm going to make it again. This is also the supremacy. Of penis and vagina sex. Sure. He could just not have that as a skull and be right. fine. Yeah. His sexuality and like... Well, he never... I mean, to be fair, he's not ever depicted as a sexual being at all. No. The, he, no. Your your point 
is POV supremacy. He can he can uh, have his desires or whatever without having to have his penis in a vagina. Not if he if he is a heteronormative male, which we don't know that. But if he is, and that is his and that is his desire. Yeah. But he does not have the tool to accomplish that. Yeah. Then he has been denied the joys of the flesh. Because he wants P and V. He wants the Phantom wants P and V. I mean, that's not that's, that's not. I'm being, saying that he should choose to think about it differently. You Obviously. think you want to see Christine peg him? That's what you want. No. You want? No. You, <laughs> that is your desire. I said nothing about that. I, that's what you're getting at. No, you're it's getting not. At that, I'm saying there's a whole range of sexual activities. That he could be involved you're, you're with on his sh- own. He should be receptive. He should be the receiver. That is not what I'm saying. Okay. You clearly want him to be, but that is not what I am saying. Let's get clear who is saying what. Here. All right. Okay. Those words came out of your mouth, that microphone, that channel over there, not me. <laughs> Everyone sending your fan art. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so here's my here's Nork, my next Nork Studios care of care of brandon this is nork studio's next production it'll be a fanfic work where it's slash fiction with raul and no. phantom no no hell no where nobody wants to watch that. raul goes to rescue christine but then the phantom and raul are having a thing and then they sort of forget about christine and, like, and christine's like fuck yeah i'm out of here she gets out of there and raul and the phantom get it on and then she um, moves to new york and right. conquers america <coughs> All right, we have to wrap it because my throat's starting to really go nuts on me here. So, um, take there's, it away. There's not that much left. The Phantom lets them escape. Yeah. He says, get out of here. Don't let them fight. He shows, you know, the total, the character completely changes here because previously he was this imperious, domineering figure. As soon as the opera folks start hunting for him, yeah. He's like, oh, fuck, get out of here. Don't let them find me. Oh, my God, they're coming for me. Oh, my God. He, yeah. he freaks out. Well, I mean, but he's got complete emotional dysregulation. I mean, it goes back to him being a total drama king where he's just like, oh, every he's catastrophizing all over the place. Like, how, how much catastrophe? Everything has to be a catastrophe. I think he's just like, go get out of here so I can get in my secret chair and no one will know, including you, that he is. I've got a secret chair with a secret passage. I mean, it would be cooler if he put up a little bit of a fire. He just runs away. Again, this is the mistake he made when he showed up in person. Because now now the people are like, oh, (laughs) he's a dude. We can go down there and kill him. When, what? There's, I don't even remember what movie scene it is, but it's like these, these. Maybe it's Bridget Jones' Diary, but it's like two dudes fighting really ineptly. Yeah, that's that's what this is. Yeah, Raul and then the Phantom should have a slap fight. Yeah, 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 they're, yeah. Well, the Phantom has been hiding in the in an opera dungeon his whole adult life. He would not be got muscle atrophy yeah he, I mean, he would not be trained in the in the ways of hand-to-hand combat this phantom they, fa- they do they fight with swords in the movie right and the yeah but that's not that's not canon though that was added for cinematic sure purposes um so raul and christine get they 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 jet 
Bye. The Phantom. Christine comes back. Yes, she comes back and and gives him his ring back, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of a little harsh. Valuable family heirloom. That's like when you do a job interview and at the end of it they hand your resume back to you. (laughs) Yeah. They don't say, well, keep this in our files. Yeah. So uh, this at the end is a a nice scene where the Phantom goes to his, his throne, covers himself up with his cloak. This is the original Game of Thrones. Meg, yeah. Meg, uh, one of the ballet girls, come, shows up on scene. Part of the crew that's hunting the Phantom. She pulls the cloak off the throne. He's not there! Holy shit. What? Holy shit, he's not there. His, his, his mask is left behind on the throne. She picks it up, shows it to the audience. Nice ending. Yep. Curtains fall. The Bye. Final thoughts. I, I enjoy this. Um, I enjoy most things a lot less now that I am sure. viewing them very critically with a better understanding of feminism and particularly this one. Feminism. Are you, so you're saying that feminism chokes the life and enjoyment out of things? Is that what you just said? Yeah, because a lot of things are shitty. <laughs> and now I realize how shitty they are. This, I'll, I will say this. This is a really misogynistic. Oh, yeah musical yeah it, it really is like it's pretty it, it christine is is the protagonist yeah should be right and and alw just shits all over at yeah. every single opportunity well she has she has no agency whatsoever in this no. zero she tries to and she just gets walked yeah. all over by every single person yeah. she encounters but um despite the fact that yeah it's it's dated in its in its politics uh, I think its storytelling strategies are abysmal. The music is great, and it is super fucking catchy. Oh, it's it's it watchable. It is visually stunning. gorgeous and yeah. stunning to watch, and it's yeah. a spectacle. I mean, it's a it is a it is as a production a really spectacular thing. I think so also you can't take that away from it. The there's there's been a lot of fan of the upper properties throughout the years, and there's this distinction between the phantom that is awful because life has deprived him of every single thing. Right. Like, people have just been awful because abuse and all kinds of stuff. So of course he's got this incredibly deformed mind. Yeah. Uh, which is different than another model of, fa- of phantom where he was just like sort of normal, normal person. And then one day he cracked. Right. And I don't, I think this is an this is an important distinction, and it's not really because we don't have any backstory in the musical, really. Yeah. Right. That is glossed over because there's in in some of these other properties, there's this this um, point about that of people like this person is is cruel because the world was cruel to them, um, and it gets at it a little bit, but but not. I don't think very clearly. And also, it's not Christine's responsibility to be kind to him either when he's right. been so cruel to her. It's a little bit of manic pixie dream opera singer going right. on here. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not not going to watch Phantom, and I am definitely opening my songbook and playing that shit because it, yeah. is, it is some good stuff. It is good stuff. Um, there you have it. I mean, I'm I'm gonna get that on my phone. I'll just start playing it when weird shit happens in our yeah. house. 
Like, if I ever hear some, like, voice in the walls, yeah. I'm just going to play that. That's going to be how I saw that. <laughs> yeah, when they, when they hear the angel talking. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how our five-year-old enjoys the... Yeah, wa- watch for a podcast um, review, or at least addressing some of we'll, it. We'll mention how it goes. Yeah. I I have a sneaking suspicion that his favorite part's going to be dressing up, which is fine. So we, you know, we, we previewed this because the question arose... Can a five-year-old watch this? Is is it appropriate at all? And uh, it's not. I mean, <clears throat> the violence is minimal and mostly just implied for the most part. Depends on how they stage it. <laughs> yeah, I think it, there's not much room for it to be overtly violent. Uh, there, there's only one like on-screen death, and it happens sort of in the back, like in the background. Um, and Piaget. Um, and, and both of those are very sort of not front and center and kind of off off in the back. Yeah. I think the the challenging thing is there's going to have to be a lot of discussion about the... I don't know how much I thought about this when I was a kid, but I know that it was seen as this very romantic. Yeah. Like, oh, Raul is saving her. Like, he's, he's you know, going to... he's. He's the best. Ooh, Raul's hot. Like all this sort of fa- fantasizing right. stuff. Raul sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's not romantic. There's, there's like nothing good, like relationships wise in this. There you have it. Send us a message at norkpodcast at gmail dot com. Send us your, uh, well, excuse me. Send Brandon your uh, Raul Phantom slash fic. Yeah, your favorite. I mean, your favorite one. There's a lot out there. Yeah. Your, your favorite uh, version yeah. of uh, Raul having sex with the family of the opera. The, la- the last thing I want to mention is that this is... Um, Aaron and I both enjoy replacing song lyrics with other lyrics. It's <laughs> true. In very childlike, juvenile ways. Mostly which, farts and butts. Farts and butts. Um, which is has been kind of funny to us because when we have a kid who, Can't do who does this... And we're like, no, you can't do that. It's inappropriate. Yeah. Potty words can only be said in the bathroom. Yep. So I feel like a little bit of a hypocrite when... Oh, yeah. As soon as he leaves the room, I'm like, he's here, the phantom of my farts. Yeah. He's here inside my pants. (laughs) And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I'm 42 years old and I'm doing this thing that if our son did it, I'd be like, knock it off. Grow up, would you? Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, we have to like wait for him to leave the room, and then we just go back and forth to one another with our butt and poop and fart-related <laughs> phantom rewrites. This reminds me, when we were on vacation and we were staying at our friend's house, uh, our friend walked in on our kid peeing, and he like ended it with just this like penis shakeout dance with his hips. Yeah, and she was just like shocked because she she has daughters, so this is not something that she would see. Right, and she would see penises all the time, like we do. Oh, so many penises! <laughs> like when I got home the other day, and our son opened up the front door and stepped out <laughs> into the porch, buck naked. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, hi, daddy. Completely head to toe naked. He was in between changing from swimming to jammies, <laughs> and he was very excited about seeing you. Yeah. Uh, but she was like, oh, this is, but this is, this is why toilets look like this. Right. Covered in piss? Yes. Yeah. 
Well, this is why toilets are always covered in piss. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. Isn't it? Yeah, that is why. Yeah. Yeah. That's because that's what we do. We pull our <laughs> pants down to our ankles. And we pee in the toilet without holding on to, to your penis. You just sort of point in the direction of the toilet. You put your hands on your hips. <laughs> and where the pee goes, it goes. You know? And yeah. then when you're done, you gyrate your hips around. You splash piss all over the place. <laughs> And then just before you're totally done, just before everything has totally exited your penis, then you pull your pants up <laughs> so you, that you finish inside of your pants. That's how it's, that's how it's done. <laughs> I mean, I suspected. Yeah. <laughs> now you've confirmed. Yeah. Secret, male, man secrets. Yeah. It's been another episode of Man Secrets. Yeah. What was the, I was saying the other day how we were going to retool the podcast to be something else. What was it I was say I said it was gonna be? Bears. All about bears. <laughs> I don't think so. It was something as dumb as It was as something that. really stupid. Yeah. Um, I... stu- stupider than this even. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Um music well, is uh if, if you think of an idea. Yeah. You could have a guest episode. That's right. You know, call in. Yeah, call on. We'll you Skype on in. We'll yeah. do we'll we, do whatever. Talk we the only reason we're do we did this is because it was an easy thing to think of. <laughs> It's true. I just wanted to do a podcast. Well, also, there is a lot to say about Phantom of the Opera. Sure. No, I meant the concept for Nork podcast oh, being oh, like oh, about being about supposedly yeah. about kids media. Although we, I don't know that that's really. Uh, I mean, it's it's just turned into another bad movies podcast. I mean, so far we've done an episode on the Andy Griffith Show, the Flu, and the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. <laughs> The Andy Griffith Show is on Kids Netflix, so I think it counts. Alright. I'm Aaron. I'm Brandon. Music was Blind Loved Up by Jerry. Ah, you remember. I remember. Good. Yeah. Alright. See you wait, see you next time. Yeah, good. Peace. So yeah, we had a little hiatus. I hiate that. Oh my god, <laughs> that's getting cut out. No. Yeah. No. Nobody will understand. Sure, they will. What you're talking about. It's so a yeah, pun. We, we took it's a, a little... pun about hiatuses. <laughs> so we took a little break. <laughs> uh, but you're we're... just jealous of my punning. <laughs>